Welcome to another edition of the Xamarin Podcast. I'm Pierce Bogan, and I'm joined by Program Manager at Microsoft, Mike James. Mike, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Uh, I think I've come to terms uh, with Apple dying inside of me. I'm no longer going to hold a torch for them um, since, since last week's announcement. But I've, as I say, I've come to terms with that over the weekend, so uh, I can live a happy and fulfilled life now. Okay, well, for uh, for those who don't follow you on Twitter, this is a, a drastic change from what you've said previously on the podcast. Uh, mm. Previously, back, I think, earlier this summer, you were like, I'm disappointed in Apple, but it's like when a parent's disappointed when his child does something bad. And yeah. so you, you forgave Apple for their mistakes and moved on because you love them. Yeah. But you betrayed Apple uh, a few weeks ago, backing up even mm. before the Mac announcement. You did. And, I didn't betray, and, and how did I, no, you, how think, did you betray them? The the betrayal was from them. Um, it just get, I, I had the courage to leave. That's all that happened. So what happened was <laughs> Apple Apple announced the iPhone seven, and I was pretty vocal in my disdain for it. You know, I like my headphones. I'm wearing them now. They're attached to my computer as they should be with a wire. Um, I don't want Bluetooth uh, in my life. Really, I think it's not. A, I've never had a pleasant experience with Bluetooth. Um, I wasn't that thrilled about the 7 for other reasons. I've already got a great camera. I don't need uh, fake depth of field. I can do it with all the lenses for my real camera. And yeah, just overall, I wasn't thrilled about the iPhone 7. So I was like, well, I'm going to hold hold out, and I'm not going to buy the 7. I'll get a 6S maybe, because I had a 6. And then Google announced a Pixel, and I was like, yes, give me this. So I went and bought a Pixel, and I love it. The only issue I have with the Pixel is that Apps aren't as good as they are for iOS, so I'm spending less time in apps than I would be if I was on the iPhone. But that's probably a net gain, because I'm spending more time doing things like talking to people and being productive. Um, And yeah, then last week Apple announced the MacBook Pro that the top of the range configuration still only has 16 gigs of RAM, which isn't very pro. That isn't very pro. Mm. So jumping back to the phone, the Pixel... What what do you find about the apps that makes it seem like they're not as good? Because for me, at least, I only really use, I mean, I have like probably 40 to 50 apps installed on my device, but I probably only actually use on a weekly basis 10 or 15 of those apps and on a daily basis, maybe three or four, mostly social media stuff. So I imagine that those big social media providers have pretty good apps for Android, no? Yeah, yeah, no, you're not wrong. Uh, I think that I, I don't use social media a huge amount, I think. Um, you just I, watching the highlight reel of someone else isn't my my thing, um, so I don't. Well, I'm really a millennial, use, so it's right up my alley. Yeah, you, you're all over it. Um, but yeah, I don't use Facebook a huge amount, but their app seems pretty cool. Um, the Twitter app seems fine. Um, I don't miss Tweetbot a huge amount. I thought I would, uh, but I don't. Um, it tends to be like the Reddit app is the app that I use the most. It's always been the app that drains my battery. And the the Android version is it's all material that's all fine. It's just not as nice as the iOS version, and I think it's in part because with Android, when you've got lots of stuff to show, you you hide it in that hamburger menu, which works fine because Android's running on a trillion different devices and they all have their different screen sizes and things. So it's kind of common denominator of the UI. Whereas for iOS, it feels more special. It feels more polished. Um, they don't hide stuff around. So with Android, I find myself swiping around a lot looking for stuff that I know should be there and is there. Um, 
but also, you know, I've only had the phone just over a week now, so I'm definitely getting used to it, but um, yeah, I just, I'm reading on the screen as well. It's a really good screen, but again, I think it's something about the fonts. I don't know, maybe I'm just being fussy, but I don't use this phone as much as I used my iPhone. Um, but the OS experience is wonderful. 7.1, amazing, just as good as iOS. The camera is superb, better than my iPhone 6, possibly better than the 6S. I'm still not going to replace my digital SLR, but it's amazing. Um, the, the, the fact that the fingerprint reader, Touch ID, which it's definitely not called that, uh, but it's on the back, that's genius. And you can like rub it and you get the notification bar pop down. Another lovely little bit of UX. I've got 3D Touch, but it's through really long press rather than having to implement special hardware, which is really nice as well. I think James just did a blog post on our blog showing how you can add that 3D touchness to your Android apps. Um, as I say, I'm using all iPhone terminology here because I've been an iPhone user forever. Um, but yeah, the Google's, the, it's a rock solid device. And for a first attempt, highly recommend. Um, I just think we app developers need to do a better job with building apps for it. And speaking of that, you've recently dived into Android development. How are you finding that so far? Uh, it's not as nice as iOS. But again, it's this thing of, am, is it, am I an amateur or is it just a poor OS? Because it's really easy when you're learning a new tool to blame the tool for your failures. And I think we're all guilty of this at some point when you download a new NuGet package and you know you hit dot and you get a list of the do's and you're like, I don't know what I should do here. And you're like, well, this is a rubbish package. It's got nothing to do with the fact that I haven't taken the time to learn it or anything. So I'm, I'm still not decided, but just first impressions, iOS is easier to get started with. Um, iOS makes a bit more sense to me. So coming into the Android world, it's a, a little bit daunting, but I'm hiding that through forms. So I, I tried the traditional approach with Android and quickly said, nope, um, mostly because of the designer. The designer for iOS is infinitely better than Android. And again, I wasn't sure, is this a Xamarin problem? Is this an Android problem? Or is this a Mike James problem? Turns out with a designer, it is just Android. The Android designer, even in Android Studio, sucks compared to the designers that we have for iOS. So I was like, well, with all the extra things I need to learn, and I should, you know, invest some time into Xamarin Forms because so many of our customers are using it now, and I've still not built a production app with forms. I've built samples galore. But I was like, you should probably learn forms. And it's it's helping me hide my Android deficiencies. So I'm quite pleased with that. So thank you, Jason Smith. Lots of love. Forms is amazing. Yeah, you heard you heard me say that. <laughs> um, so are you gonna be rewriting beer drinking to use Xamarin Forms now, or are you just gonna do it for Android and UWP? What's the plan? Uh, it's going to be for Android and UWP. I've invested way too much time on the iOS version, and there's a billion custom controls that I've used paint code to generate that I just don't want to have to deal with in, in the world of forms. But for uh, for Android and UWP, that's definitely going to be with forms. Um, even the Mac, maybe, with a feature branch, but we can't talk about that. Um, <laughs> um, but that's nice. I mean, you are an iOS developer. You can use Xamarin Forms to hide a little bit of your deficiency as a developer on Android and UWP. And even though you're not sharing that UI layer, a lot of that code you wrote for iOS can still be shared across Android and UWP, even though you're using forms. Yeah, yeah, a huge amount of code is being shared because you know I, I architected beer drinking, and I call it enterprise-grade architecture. And it's a really uh, kind of lofty way of saying that I just use 
a whole load of abstractions. So nothing's, nothing's really hard-coded or locked to a particular platform or a particular service. If tomorrow Amazon bought Microsoft and it was to kill Azure, I could switch over to AWS with no issue. I would just have to re-implement my interfaces and boom, I'm good to go. So there's no real code within iOS that's unique to iOS other than the UI. All of the data sync code, calling services, everything, my models, the whole galore is just thrown into portable task libraries. So it's actually pretty simple to build the Forms app because I just need to write some XAML for the UI. And most of beer drinking is really just the list view with like master detail. Right. So it's been, it's been pretty easy. I've re really enjoyed that aspect of it. So I create a very, very thin view model which calls into an existing library, which has got view models as well, but they're very much cross-platform view models that don't rely on forms. And then I do things like, you know, get beers, search for beers, get profile for usernames, and then you pass in the, the string for the user ID and things. Um, and it just returns all that data to you and you throw it into the XAML. Um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed having a play with uh, XAML and forms and, and building these Android apps with it. Um, as I say, for iOS, I'll probably stick to the storyboards because... I'll take real pleasure in using the storyboard designer and create my UI that way. Um, but for Android and UWP, which are platforms I still obviously need to build for, um, but don't have a huge wealth of experience in order to draw upon, Forms fits that gap. And there's loads of new features in, in Forms that have come since version 2 that make it a huge, huge improvement over version 1. And they're, they're adding features all the time. And I think you're going to talk about some of those new features today, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. So we're going to be talking about Xamarin Forms 2.3.3, uh, which at the time of this recording has not gone into stable. It's still in pre-release, but should go into stable sometime this week or next week. And Xamarin Forms 2.3.3 is all about making it easy to use platform-specific uh, UI stuff and, and features. So when I talk about platform-specific stuff in regard to forms, I typically say, well, we have our UI bits. So we have controls, that sort of thing. And then we have features, so things that don't have a UI, like Bluetooth, text-to-speech, that sort of thing. So Xamarin Forms 2.3.3 is all about making it easier to pull in that native functionality into your Xamarin Forms application. So we already had a lot of different ways that we could bring in that platform-specific functionality with Xamarin Forms. So if we're building uh, a UI and want to bring in a custom control from Android or iOS, we could have used way back in the day and still today custom renders, which are the most powerful, yet the uh, hardest to get your head wrapped around. Um, so custom renders just use exactly how Xamarin Forms is built, which is just rendering a, a particular control on a platform. Um, and that that approach is good, but and it, it allows you maximum control over how things are laid out and the memory and everything like that. But as I just mentioned, it's a bit complex. And if you don't do things right, it can lead to memory leaks, uh, that sort of thing. It's just, it's a bit overkill for many controls. And so then we kind of walked that back a little bit and we had effects, which are great, which is essentially just used for changing one specific property on a control. So if I want to set a property that's not exposed in Xamarin Forms, an effect is the way to go. I mean, it's really quite literally one line of code to do it in the platform-specific way. So like, say I'm not an iOS developer, I'm not an Android developer, and I want to change uh, the underlying color or something like that. For a particular control, I can literally just look up what the property is. I don't have to know the actual platform, and I can set that property in an effect and then apply that effect uh, to my Xamarin Forms control. So that's that's a really, really easy, easy way. And then people were like, okay, 
Um, well, custom renders are nice. That's for the really complex stuff. Effects are great. That's for the really simple stuff. What about the things that are in between? And so we introduced native embedding at Evolve 2016. And essentially, that allows you to take a native control. And using if devs, you have to be using shared projects for this approach. You can mm -hmm. actually add a platform-specific control directly to XAML, which is really mm. nice. To XAML? To XAML, yeah. Mm. Well, to nice. your UI, uh, which yeah, can yeah, be yeah. built in XAML or can be built in C-sharp. Uh, and in this release, we made it even simpler. So the limitation with native embedding is that you have to be using shared projects. You have those if-defs, which I'm just not a huge fan of. I know they're super powerful, but I've never been a guy who likes to have a whole bunch of like you know, compiler directives in my code. I think it makes it look sloppy and it makes me yeah. do some pretty nasty stuff, personally at least. And but it's easy. It that's is easy. Why, that's why people do it because it's, it's the, you, you don't have to learn about bait and switch if you use shared code. That's true. And so that was, a, that was one of the key advantages of using native embedding. Uh, but there was certainly drawbacks as we just covered. So Xamarin.Forms 2.3.3 introduces a new feature called Native View Declaration. So it takes it to the far extreme of being super easy to the point that you don't even have to know what you're doing, really. You can literally take an iOS, Android, or UWP control and add it straight to XAML with no additional configuration. Wow. Yeah. So, so, you don't so all those custom controls that I built within beer drinking, that I'm like, oh, I don't want to use forms because I've built custom controls. I can just use those without any custom renderers and just wholesale, just bring them in and like, boom, they're available to me for, just for iOS within XAML in Xamarin forms. Yep, you can add it straight to your XAML. So there'll be a little iOS namespace you apply. So like, kind of like how when you bring in a custom control in Xamarin forms, you have like that little, you know, XML and S, and you you know define the path to the control. Same thing here. You're just going to define an XML and S, which you can just copy from the sample, and for iOS, Android, and UWP, and then you can just add the control straight to your XAML. So your iOS controls from beer drinking, you can just add the iOS XML and S for the path for that particular control. And it will actually resolve it at runtime. And if you're using XAML C, you can use that as well, but you have to turn it off for that particular page. And so it'll actually go out and get that control for you at runtime. And as you mentioned, say for beer drinking, you're, you have this custom control on iOS, but what about Android and UWP? Well, on those mm. platforms, because the iOS control can't be resolved, you can display something alternatively. So you can do some really, really cool stuff with native view decoration, and it doesn't require a ton of knowledge about the underlying platforms, which is really nice, because I know a lot of people, when they start with Xamarin Forms, they want to pull in a control maybe they see in the component store, or they see an awesome iOS controller, or something like that they want to pull in, but they don't exactly want to do like a custom render or something like that. And they don't know yeah. a ton about how the platform works. Well, this way, you don't have to know anything. You really just have to add a, a, an XML and S that, that's the, the path to that particular control, and you're set. So it's literally just an XML namespace and boom, all of, all of the custom code. That's amazing. That is it really, really is. amazing. And I mean, that's going to change the way that people build apps. Oh, for sure. For sure. And one of my favorite things about it is not only can you just add it, which is useful in and of itself, but you can also data bind. You can do data binding with native view declarations. So if your property that you're uh, trying to data bind to supports identify property change, uh, you can use data binding with, within Xamarin Forms for a platform-specific control, which is a pretty crazy thing to consider. Yeah, that's amazing. When when's this? Is it? Can I get it in pre-release? When's this dropping? How do I get yes. it? Yes, so it's in pre-release right now. So in, in NuGet, you can switch on the little include pre-release packages uh, dialog or checkbox or whatever. 
and Xamarin Forms 2.3.3 is what you're looking for. At the time that we release this, it may go to stable um, because it's been in pre-release for like a month now. So okay. people have been trying it out and giving feedback and that sort of thing. And I've actually written a blog on it on the on the Xamarin blog that that has a custom control with a, a color picker that uses two-way data binding with a native control in Xamarin Forms. So if you're interested in native view decoration, that's definitely a sample to check out. And then moving away from the UI to the to the feature side of things. We also introduced a feature called platform specifics. And it's exactly what it sounds like. One of the main problems or complaints we get all often with Xamarin Forms is why don't you have X implemented in Xamarin Forms? And often there's a very good reason why it's not included, and sometimes there's not, but generally it boils down to either a scope issue, where certainly there's thousands upon thousands of controls you could possibly pull into forms. Yeah. But but most of the time, it's actually that the particular thing that, that uh, a particular developer wants to have pulled in, it's not available on all these different platforms. And Xamarin Forms, at least in, in some ways, tries to force you to be a good patron for the particular platform you're developing for. Um, mm -hmm. So on Android, on iOS, I can add, like you said, those, those left uh, UI navigation bar items. So up on the, mm -hmm. on the navigation bar, that left item. Uh, that's often used for back and push and pop navigation, but in modal, maybe it's a cancel. Yep. You can't you can't do that in Xamarin Forms right now without a custom render, because it's not available on all the different platforms. And so that's something that's super common on iOS. And so it only makes sense to ask why isn't this in Xamarin Forms? And the reason is it's not exposed on all these different platforms. It's not exposed in UWP. It's not exposed in Android. It's not yeah. something that a, a, a user would expect for that particular platform. And so that, Xamarin Forms. Where... I was just going to say that's where Xamarin Forms, you know, you have to do that level of customization to get the best out of each platform. And if you just if you just wrote 100% cross-platform code and only thought about one platform, your app will look weird. When it's you know, if you're an iOS guy like me and you only built your Forms app testing on iOS and then you know you hit publish for Android and UWP, that app is going to look whack to yep. Android and UWP users. Yeah, and I think. I mean, just as a side note, I think a lot of the time with Xamarin Forms, especially, we're like, yeah, code sharing, you can share, you know, potentially 100% of your code, which is awesome. Code sharing is great. But yep. at the end of the day, hey, what we're really trying to achieve is an awesome application for our users. And if that means we get, you know, 60% code sharing, so be it. If that means we can get 90, like something like the Evolve app got, that's great too. But it's really about mm. delivering, like you said, that great experience for the user, no matter how what percentage of code sharing we get. And then we understand, obviously, that maybe you're new to mobile development and you don't understand iOS, Android, and UWP, and that's certainly fine as well. But as you continue to grow as a mobile developer and you learn those individual platforms, bringing in those tiny little tweaks will make a huge difference. And so that's where platform specifics comes in. Platform specifics essentially say, hey, if this feature is only available on a certain platform, Let's access that from our shirt code and set a particular property or display something or something like that. So it's really easy to use. It's just a fluent API. So I'll just say on, and uh, for the type parameter, I'll just pass in the prop the platform that I wish to target. So say we're on iOS. Well, I can set a, a blur effect, for example, on a UI view. Any UI view, I can set the blur effect. So these things that are only available on certain platforms, we can now access in shared code via platform specifics. I love it. I love it. I, I'm definitely going to have to look at beer drinking now for iOS reforms. Yeah, and the great thing about platform specifics is it's a feature of Xamarin Forms. So it's not like 
Effects are a feature of Xamarin Forms, and you build your own effects. Platform mm. specifics are a feature of Xamarin Forms. You can build your own, and Xamarin Forms ships their own. So imagine if Xamarin Forms shipped their own effects, for example. That's the same thing here with platform specifics. We actually ship five out of the box. I think it may be more now. And there's a ton of PRs up on the Xamarin Forms GitHub, which is always fun to just browse around and look at the PRs and things like that. The community is adding. But a lot of things like you know the left UI navigation bar item, stuff like that, mm. that could totally be implemented with a platform specific. And this allows us to do all these little platform specific tweaks that really you know make an application feel native to the user on that particular platform without having to drop down into the actual platform specific code. So I'm really excited about platform specifics. Yeah, that's uh, as I say, that's going to be a game changer. So we've now got four ways to add custom platform specific features to the the apps. Yeah, amazing. So Xamarin Forms 2.3.3 is all about bringing that platform-specific functionality into your shared code with Xamarin Forms applications. This has been another edition of the Xamarin Podcast. I'm Pierce Bogan. And I'm Thanks for listening.